We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. As always, Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Man, it was a good week in combat sports. It feels like a ton of pro wrestling talk came in just today before we were going to record this. So with that, we're going to kind of kick off with pro wrestling a little bit later. Then we're going to get into MMA and then finish up with some boxing. But first, you know, we got to take our little lap around the Twitter verse Dre there is a big big festival coming to Vegas this fall November 1st through 3rd night in Vegas I'm a little skeptical still this is one of those I'll believe it when I see it yeah man I'm the same way I look like looking at this lineup with the entire TD being there with J. Cole Travis Scott um and then you got like newer guys like YBM Corday you got Boogie I don't know how they're going to pull this together and expect to make any money. I mean, I know festivals make money, but this shit seems insane. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's bananas, the lineup. that One, the Sunday night to close it out is probably the best night. Um, yeah. I've heard people say that's the worst night. Who the fuck said that? Yo, I've, I've seen it on Facebook. Facebook's not the best barometer for these things. But that's, you know, where you go when stuff breaks and it's local and all this stuff. So people will say they they'd skip Sunday. Which they're bugging. Um, but Friday, good way to kick it off. J. Cole, I saw him at Life is Beautiful, I think. Before um, his stage sets, wherever he's at, is really dope. I'm not of the J. Cole is super boring uh, collective that runs around the internet. Um, big J. Cole fan, so that's dope. Lil Uzi Vert, 
as long as I get like two of the meme joints, I'm fine. Like his little stupid dancing on stage where he looks like Enzo Amore. And then uh, Black is there, Miguel is there, so it's a dope little R&B joint. Gold Link, who I know you're really big on. Yep. Um, Juice World, who I have no clue who it is. But my daughter last night, my daughter Malaya, wild out on me because I finally watched uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I watched it with the kids. And then Miles is playing the song in there. I was like, oh, this song is hard. And she's like, that's Juice World. You don't know who Juice I was like, yo, calm down. So uh, I guess I'll watch Juice World. Uh, Megan the Stallion's on that day. Denzel Curry. So Saba's on that day. Earth this, Gang. I mean, this, dog, this seems impossible. Yo, <laughs> like some of the deep, like four lines down are really dope. People just yeah. buried on the card. It, I don't don't know how it how it goes. So that JID is that first day, obviously because J Cole is here. Um, so that makes a nice little connection there. Saturday, Travis Scott, Migos. This is the trap day, which I'm sure you yep. would skip. This is the day I'm excited yep. for as well. Uh, Travis Scott in person in concert is amazing. So Travis Scott, Migos. Can I get my ratchet music? Twenty One Savage, whatever. Little baby, maybe he plays better at a live show, um, and I'll get into his joints. A Boogie with the hoodie, which I can't wait to see. Lil Nas X, eh, he got two songs. The uh, Baby, all right, I don't know the difference between him and Lil Baby. Sheck West, uh, just for Mo Bamba, is good. Blueface, which is the worst rapper ever, but the kids are going to go crazy. So that's that's a nice little lineup right there. Not Matt, Rico Nasty's on that day. Uh, I don't like her solo stuff, but we we shall see. I'll get Tia Tamara at, at, le- at least. And the kid who I've been seeing around, which is ridiculous, I get to see him in person, Kid Trunks. It's him. There's another dude named after Dragon Ball Z called Kid Boo running around here somewhere. He will not be at the festival, but I, I don't know. These little weird young kids. Um, this is a day you're thinking of skipping. If you had to, you're not going to because you're covering it. But if you had to, I'm guessing you're not going to do a million interviews this day. No, I mean, chances are, like, I look at that lineup, like, and I can say this because I'm black. Somebody gonna get shot that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I was saying. I was like, black people, can we please, can we please get one? Can we not be us for a day? That that lineup, and nobody's. I, I don't think anybody's really gonna get shot. I just think there's gonna be oh, some kind of violence. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be yeah. fights. Like Mosh Pit just gets turned upside down. It just doesn't seem possible. When you look at this lineup, it just doesn't seem possible that they could put all this together for three days. Three days. I just need to make it to Sunday. Let the festival make it to Sunday. Please. There's On Saturday, there's a dude on the card named Lil House Phone. In case you were wondering. Like, you know, in case you felt like getting there early and checking the dude. Lil House Phone. Um, Sunday, of course, TDE Takeover, pretty much. Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, J-Rock, Absol. Isaiah Rashad, um, man, but even outside of that, Tyler Creator, who's amazing, so that'll be dope. Brock Hampton, which I haven't listened to a ton of Brock Hampton. Dope? Not dope? What's your feel on Brock yeah, Hampton? Dope. Dope. Uh, dope. Yeah, Flatbush Zombie, Zombies. I, I, you know how much this concert is going to cost? Like, they Insane. say, like, the tickets go on sale. The tickets go on sale. Well, you put down a deposit, which makes me skeptical initially. $10 um, deposit. Yeah, well, I mean, it just seems all this just seems weird, and they're doing it at the fairgrounds where they did Rock and Rio a few years back, which is you know it's cool over there by Circus Circus on the Strip. If anybody's been to Vegas before, 
I just, dog, I just, I don't know how they're going to put this together. But if it happens, like, I already called Billboard and was like, yo, I'm doing this. Like, I, I will, this is one thing that I'll absolutely do because I need to see this come together. However, I'm also going to try to go to it um, because a lot of people that I know are going to be at this, this show. So I'm trying to see the, like, I'm trying to see what's popping backstage. Because that just seems like it's going to be madness. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, I'm calling it already. This is my, yo, I know Andreas Hale. I'm chilling with him. <laughs> a festival so i would just be like yeah i got my media pass all right where's dre at just randomly walk next to you they'd be like yeah just give you a head nod i just walk by give the same bouncer a head nod like yeah i'm just getting into a bunch of places i'm not supposed to be so nah man it's, it's gonna be fun november 1st scares me a little bit because like there's people don't know they think vegas is hot all the time there's like these weeks in october november that's brick ass cold and it's like 60 mile per hour winds yeah so no, that's true that'll but, be yeah. all bad that scares me a little bit but it's cool festival weather throw on the hoodie be out there you're not gonna be sweating you know your life away so i'm i'm intrigued to see how this goes i'm anticipating this is the one and done though like how do you, how do you keep paying it. people <laughs> right like so so on top of that on october 19th and 20th there is a festival called Metarama, which is on the same grounds. It's a video game and music festival. And it's headlined by Marshmello, Snoop Dogg, Logic, Little Yachty. Um, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, yo, like, Metarama. who is funding this shit? Okay, I got to apply for credentials for this too. Metarama. If nothing else to see Logic. Oh, and uh, Imagine Dragons. Okay. Like, Ninja's there. Oh, yeah. You know, Ninja's getting paid dumb dough. To just go play I mean, Fortnite. Dog, Marshmallow's getting paid ridiculous, though. My nephew, we, look, I, we went to the grocery store. This is like, anybody who plays Fortnite knows what night this is. I couldn't tell you, but I'm sure everybody else could recall the date. We're at the grocery store, and he's like, I got to get home. I got to get home. I'm like, why? I got to get on Fortnite. What the fuck? You can play Fortnite anytime. You play it all the time. No, Marshmallow's having a concert. Where? On Fortnite. What? <laughs> That's so, bananas. So I go, so we get home. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. You know, you're 13. You, you want to go home. So I take him home and he fires up. Like, he, he gets all his homies on and he's like talking through his headsets. They're like, they're super like geeks. And they're like, you know, they're so hyped that they're giddy and shit. They're like, yeah, oh my God, I can't wait. And so they all congregate, <laughs> all, their, all their characters congregate to this festival ground. And at, at exactly like three o'clock or whatever time it was, Marshmallow appears. So it's a concert for video game avatars. They're all doing their, their dances and shit. And it's like they, it, Marshmallow does a, a straight DJ set. It's like a 30-minute DJ set. Like, my nephew is screaming. I'm like, this is like, it's a virtual concert, dog. It's Yo, you know how much thing. Marshmallow got play, paid to just hit play on a pre-made set? All that to say, Marshmallow's headlining this thing, like, this is ridiculous how much he's probably about to make. Diesel is DJing, a.k.a. Shaq. Yeah, Shaq's gonna be there. Like, come on, man. These and this is these are two weeks apart. Two that weeks apart. These two festivals. Crazy. Yeah. League of Legends tournament. Oh yeah, they got gaming random. All right, listen, I'm in there. I'll cover Metarama. Why not? Go and out I there don't and even play like some video games. So I've, I've covered festivals for 15 years, and at a certain point, I'm just like, dog, it's exhausting. Festivals are exhausting. But I might have to try both of these out. Yeah, nothing's worse than EDC. 
So we no. got EDC is the worst. And, you know, every year going to Life is Beautiful, like, that's not even that bad. Like, Life, is, Life is Beautiful EDC's is prepared me. Yeah, like, EDC is rough on the senses because it starts, like, dumb late. And then it's like, and it, look, here's the funny thing. I actually like some of the, the DJs that are at EDC. I like Calvin Harris. Oh, yeah. I like, you know, like, Black Coffee played this year, and I was pissed off that I missed him because I'm a big, I'm big on Black Coffee. The whole Afropunk. Like, I, I love all that shit. But the hours that EDC happens and the people that are there, it's kind of like how we cover, like, combat sports, and we're, like, the only black people there. And we're looking around, and we're just like, damn, there's really nobody to talk to. Like, the year that I covered EDC, I was like, damn, it's just like me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm zoning out to, like, Flume and a bunch of other cats performing and, like, DJing, like, you know, Steve Aoki and Calvin Harris. And I'm like, yo, this is dope. And I had, like, backstage access. They had an open bar. But then I was like, I looked around, and I'm like, I'm watching, you know, kids zoink out of their minds. And I'm like, yo, I'm the only one here. See, that's where our difference in age brackets really shows. Because a lot of people I know, like friends and, you know, friends from high school, acquaintances, people come up from out of town. I know mad people that actively go. So when I covered it, I got in, uh, did like two interviews, and then it was just the festival ground. And then it was like, all right, cool. So I, like, cell phone service sucked. But... yeah. You know, just like, yo, okay, what stage you on? Cool. Stay there. Be Meet them for like an hour and just walk around. So I actually had people I knew there. But even then, that's almost as bad because then they're on like level 100. And I'm just like, yo, I, I did my work. I'm not here. Like, I don't do drugs. Like, I'm not rolling. So I'm not trying to dance for six hours straight. This yes. shit's crazy. I don't yes. dance let, at all anyway. I damn sure ain't dancing six hours straight. Like, I just kind of like the music. So, yeah, that wasn't for me. This, all this is easy compared to that. Um, festivals aside, another thing in the music industry that we got to talk about, and we talk about this every year, because somewhere deep down in your heart, you hold a soft spot for this place, and that is BET and the BET Awards. That's funny. <laughs> every year, Dre, we talk about this. This year... Uh, I one I don't know why people still watch these things. If it's not like the Grammy, something like super prestigious, like why do we need a BET Awards? I don't know. Like, can we have the Hip Hop Awards or just the BET Awards? Do we need both anymore? No, we do don't. Do people care about a BET Award? Like, I would I would say the last Hip Hop Award, like standalone, that really mattered was what the Source Awards. Once those were gone, it's like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, the BET Awards made sense when they played videos, right? Like, they yeah. don't even play videos anymore. MTV Awards, same thing. Like, they don't even matter. The MTV Movie Awards get probably a more... Movie and TV Awards matter more to MTV now than the Music Awards. Yeah, I agree with that. But So, it's ridiculous know. to still kind of have these things. But, alas, they got some people to perform. Opened up the purse strings. Uh, Cardi B was there performing. Lil Nas X, who I didn't watch his performance. Don't know if it was good or bad. I'm just going to assume it was bad. No, it was all right. I mean, actually, like, look, everybody likes Old Town Road, and I get it. Yeah, um, not a I'm bad not, song. And I'm not saying I don't like it, but Panini is the shit. Like, his, like the kid has a knack for melodies, and he knows what he's doing. Panini, I, is that the one with uh, Cardi? No, that's the uh, rodeo. The, uh, 
Yeah, the that one, shit Panini, is the dope. one that samples uh the samples Nirvana. They both Blue. sample Nirvana, which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know who's for that, but whatever. It's <laughs> just clear and shit. Uh, but no, yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. Like he's country and grunge. I mean, he's whatever the hell he wants to be. That's a, that's how I look at it, and good for him. You know what I'm saying? Like if if he's getting paid doing this, he's happy to be here. Yeah, if he likes it. I love it. But the awards themselves, like I watch it. I watched it. I actually, the her performance was fucking fantastic. Um, her performing YBN Carday was a Carday was a uh, it's like a tribute to black culture, and uh, it was like a uh, and her is like her is one of my favorite artists. Period. That girl is amazing. Yeah, she sings her um, ass off. Yeah, so that that performance was dope. The rest of the performances, lots of fire and pyro and like these are Khaled performing. Yeah, fuck that. Who um, is Lizzo and why was she playing a flute? Oh, Lizzo is dope. Like she, like Ron Burgundy, she played Yaz flute. Lizzo's a big girl who rhymes about being a big beautiful girl, and her joints are catchy. Like her album is actually dope. Um, it was good. Like she had one of the better performances that night. Like my wife, my wife watched it. Was like I need to listen to Lizzo. It was just a bunch of big girls getting it. I wasn't yeah. mad at it, but, but I, she, I, I was just very confused. Like she's 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 a really talented artist. Like the BET Awards are good for shining the spotlight on a few artists. The Mary J tribute, which was cool, but I thought it was weird because it wasn't really a tribute. It was just Mary J performing all the hits. I was about to say she just she literally just performed. It wasn't a tribute. Yeah. So which is all right. Well, you know, I, I get it. it. It was weird because like I'm watching this and I'm going. I'm not the biggest Mary J fan right now. Like Mary's music in the last 10 years does nothing for me. But when what's the 411 when them joints came on, I remembered how amazing Mary J Blige was in the 90s. And I was like, yo, she's been here for a long goddamn time making hits. So that was good to see. Aside from that, like the BT Awards are just whatever. I yeah, mean, they're, I, I they're not bad. They just they just exist and, you know, People don't really care, and why should they? That that's the key. Like I don't, I'm not a big award show guy anyway. Just off rip, like I I like to BT hip hop awards just for the ciphers. Um, I mean, I don't sit through the entire like Oscars or Grammys or anything. Like it's not my cup of tea per se. I know you're all into that, especially like movie awards and such. But yeah, yeah I just I can't. I, I don't understand it. It's okay. Like, I'm cool with people winning awards and getting lists. But, like, now that the NBA has gone to, like, their NBA awards night, like, that shit's dumb to me. Just give people their awards. It's social media now. They just throw it up online. Put it on a website. Get some clicks. I don't need to watch this for four hours to see who wins. So, the BET Awards, I was just like, and it was on my timeline. And I was like, people still watch this shit? But then again, that's, that's what people think about us watching wrestling. Uh, yeah, I guess so. The, the, <laughs> I mean, the, the biggest highlight for me, well, it's not even really a highlight because it was it was a trailer. It was the Queen and Slim trailer, which I'm super looking forward to seeing. Queen and uh, Slim. Damn, you didn't see this? No, I didn't uh, see the trailer. Selena Waite's new movie. It's uh, it's about uh, Daniel Kalea and um, I forgot the new girl's name. Um, it's her first film. And it's about, you know, two people. They're out on a date. They get pulled over by the cops. They kill the cops. And they go on the run. Right there, I was sold. Got you. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the modern day black version of Bonnie and Clyde, right? 
And I'm sold. I'm sold. I saw the trailer and I was like, I got to see this. Dan Clay is fantastic. He was in Get Out. He was in, uh, you know, Black Panther. Yeah. Um, He's great in everything, though. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the plot alone, Lena, Lena had, is writing this film. Um, the woman who's directing it directed a bunch of Beyonce. It's, it's a first big feature film. But it looks it looks great. Like, if anybody knows me, I'm just big on movies, period. But this one, that was like, when I saw the trailer during the BET Awards, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see this. November is coming out. And and I'll let you guys know this right now. There might be something special on my side coming when this film comes out. So, but I can't talk about it yet. It's way too early. You are a man of a million jobs. All right. Um, uh, unless you make a cameo, then that should be dope. You, you get some sad credits. We in here. We ain't there yet. <laughs> that's that's what shit takes off right there. I just ran me in the movie theater and just Dre's letting the beard flourish. Nah. In, in a random fucking what like crazy black pro black movie, like you just in the crowd like an activist. We we need that, Dre. Make that's on your to do list. I'm adding this to your to do list for next year, 2020. Dre's in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was man. That's pretty much what was online. No, wait. How could I not forget about this? Because it's something I want to touch on, and it just happened today. Why are they going after my man Melo? They can't. They can't let my boy live. He's about to go to the Lakers, try to get the cheap ring. It's bad enough Barkley's gonna bash him the whole season for getting a cheap one because Barkley's sour about not getting a ring his damn self. So Carmelo's about to get just crushed all year. He's gonna try to bring Hoodie Melo out. He's trying to relax before free agency hits in a week, and my man's on the boat. He's on the yacht. He says Lala like this real nice, oh, happy birthday, babe. I love you. You my queen type message on Instagram. And paparazzi catch him on the yacht. Not touching. Not in within, I'd say, three feet of a woman in a bathing suit. And shit takes off. My question is, can you not have platonic friends anymore, Dre? No, not in social media. In not, in social, not in the social media area, you can't. Because, I mean, from the beginning, like, think about it. Before social media was, like, a thing, there was always, like, paparazzi, right? Yeah. And, as a, and obviously, none of us are cool enough to be paparazzi, so we lived in a different time. So imagine you're going out, you got a girlfriend at home, and what happens when a chick sees you out with one of your homegirls? It becomes a mess. Always. It's, it, it never is something that, like, platonic friends is something that should be easy and should make sense. But nobody believes you. And the toxic the toxicity of social media will never allow you the truth to be the truth. It'll be whatever people make of it. So you see Carmelo on this yacht with this this chick, and everybody runs wild with with rumors. Like allegations are worse now than they ever were. So yeah, you could have one, but you better be like hiding somewhere like you better not like like being up on a yacht with a platonic friend ain't never gonna work nobody's ever gonna be like that's cool just ain't gonna happen it's unfortunate but that's just the way the world turns now yeah it's a damn shame like he he had to defend himself he had the spin cycle so crazy he was like man i was oh she's married and all this stuff and people were not hearing it Uh, nobody cares cares. (laughs) they obviously care enough to slander the man's name no, they, they, they people care enough about misery. 
nobody wants anybody to really be happy. That's not the way this world works. So it's like when you see a marriage that could possibly be up in smoke, the the people who are miserable want to drag that marriage down with their own misery. So they're going to go out and just trash Carmelo. That's what they're going to do. And then, you know, people just don't believe in happiness because maybe they've been cheated on their whole life. Who knows? But <laughs> this is it's just a shitty world we live in. It's the truth. It's a damn shame. Uh, and I'd say 80% of the people giving Melo shit, and they didn't even care about the circumstances around what happened, are women. I saw online line tweeting, Hot Girl Summer, or, oh yeah, me and my girls are going out, like, or these men ain't shit. Like, why? They just, I guess you said it, misery loves company. It loves a party. Like, social media has made misery a party, and everybody can take, partake in this misery party. So, but what they can do is they spin it. And they make this, they turn this into, and I'm not even going to just say women because dudes do the same shit. Oh, a ton of men. It's, you <laughs> know, it's like, they it just hate it. Like, it becomes this rallying cry, right? It's like if somebody gets cheated on or they believe somebody might be getting treated on, it's like a rallying cry. And I don't, I don't understand it at all. I think it's stupid. Um, but yeah, the, the entire thing about having platonic friends, like especially being a celebrity, ain't no such thing. It just ain't. Everybody's going to assume you're doing shit. So you, your foundation, your marriage better be strong enough to endure the bullshit that's going to come with rumors. That's just it. Or you just can't have a female friend. Like, it's one or the other. Yeah, you got to pick one. Like tough. Just, yeah, that, that's so bananas. That, and that's, I guess, not even a celebrity thing. I'm, I wonder that nowadays. Like, you said, like, yo, your homies. Like, you know, back in the day, like, social media wasn't there. Maybe for me, it was just MySpace and shit. But like, yeah, you you walking around, um, having me I'd like just be chilling with my cousin or something, uh, like one of my girl cousins, or whatever. And people are like, oh well, blah blah blah. Then you come back, you'd be like, yo, get the hell out of here. It's just my cousin, but oh, okay. And uh, in which that line is used way too much now. Like, yo, that's my cousin or my brother. They turn that into something horrible in itself. But yeah, like now it seems like even for normal people, there's so many ways for someone to be like, yo, snap a picture of you. Throw it on like Snapchat, or instantly DM it to your chick or some shit. Like it's a crazy world. I don't think any man of any stature could really have a platonic friend, unless it's you, the platonic friend, and your girl all out together. I think you're a rap. That, even if, when that happens, then it's like, yo, they having the menage. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> the reality. No, the reality is, is as long as your foundation is strong enough to endure that shit then go out and do it. But if it ain't worth it, like, it's weird. This is weird to say, but single people ain't shit. <laughs> That's the realest of, shit ever spoke right there. We're turning that into a shirt. That's merch. Single like, people ain't shit. Because in terms of, like, there's nothing really good that can come out of it in the public eye. As far as your friends are concerned, yeah, you could have single friends. But the moment that you step out with your single friend, trouble can happen. Things can go left. It's just the reality of it. And it's like, and it, if for the opposite sex, the single woman, it, all, it just leads to rumors. So you need to be strong enough in your relationship where your significant other, not you, your significant other can endure the bullshit. Especially the higher you climb up the food chain, the worse the rumors get. Trust me. I know. I've been there. Like, it just, the, the things that come out of you I mean, being spotted you, with somebody. You've roamed the streets of New York for an article with Melissa Ford, so. 
I'm, I'm just saying, I, like, I'm, I'm just I've saying, been you, can't, you couldn't do that today, by the way. Like, FYI. No, absolutely not. But it's just like, I've, I've, I've had friends, and, and, you know, your job as a man in a relationship is eventually, you're going to have to introduce your woman to all these other women. Because, especially, like, when these things happen, like, you can't have the bullshit happen. You can't, like, uh, let me also be clear. If the woman is, like, kind of cute, then it makes it even worse. Yeah. It, it, but, look, I mean... Honestly, if you're of any stature, you're really not hanging around with ugly people. Why not? So that's a catch-20. Because you're just not in circles to meet ugly people. Sooner that's or later, true. you're just around a bunch of beautiful people. No, that's not true because there's a lot of ugly, successful people out there. Men. Like, men. No, there's, there's successful women that are not like supermodels. Come on, dog. Uh, there's, are you really saying that there's not women that are not like if you're Instagram like wildly successful, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if there's, yeah. You're gonna, Doug, you're going to get killed for this. For what? Like, like well, I'm just saying they're good looking. Like, I'm, I'm not taking the opposite not. end of things. You don't got to be a supermodel. You just said if you're good looking. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like good looking I, people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it like this. I'm not going to say this because everybody's attracted to different people for, the, for different reasons. <laughs> the PC answer. This, okay. <laughs> Gabrielle Sidibe, the girl who played Precious, is not what you would call. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. But she is very successful. She and is. me, like, listen, I don't, I don't care. I just like to surround myself with successful people, positive people, and, and people that are trying to do something. I don't like being around a bunch of pretty motherfuckers who don't do shit. That bothers me. Or who get clout from just being cute. That bothers me too because it's, it's, there's really no work ethic in that. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of beautiful people who are successful that aren't your typical beauty. Right? See, so they take care, like with the success, with the money, like even if you're not traditionally or just not, I don't want to say naturally beautiful, but if you ain't just like wake up out of bed beautiful, like then you have the resources and they, their upkeep is so well. That you're just like, damn, like that person's kind of dope. Yo, I've seen, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. Listen, you've seen more than me, I'm there, sure. There, there was, yes, there was an obvious glow up that comes with the cash, right? There's obvious glow up when, when you get a little bit of dough in your pockets. Women and men will look different with money. But most, not even most people, some people, people like myself, know where your roots are. And I mean that literally. <laughs> and figured it because the fake hair, the fake nails, the makeup, the the, the dudes getting like I mean your man um what's his name Yo, uh, the, the safari got the fake hairline yeah, that's got what I'm the saying. fake the fake like, hair. there's so much that you can do but there's only so much you can do to cover you know what you are so uh, all I'm saying is that there's like looks in success don't necessarily go together because there's a lot of pretty pretty fucking lames out there and there's not a lot of people who are in the category of natural beauties who are extraordinarily successful so those two don't go together but i say that to say this those the instagram model type carmelo anthony being on a boat with one of them is going to easily fuel rumors there's nothing like the only thing he could do is not hang out with them that's it if you're if you're kind of attractive if you're looked at if you got like a half a million followers on instagram and i'm hanging out with you do you think people wouldn't go to my wife and be like yo he's hanging out with that slut because that's what they do <laughs> yeah. that's the next thing they do is like just because you got a bunch of followers as a woman you're a slut there's a lot dog it's a lot of 
bullshit that goes on with this. But Mello, I feel bad for him. But it's like, dog, once you got on that boat, you knew somebody was going to take a picture. So yeah. I hope you prep Lala in advance. That's all. As, as long as she, knows as long as she knew in advance, like you were saying, it's, it's completely fair. If this shit blindsided her, then you wrong from jump, cheating or not. Yeah, you can't win. You just look stupid. Because <laughs> you can't. It's hard to defend. You got you to gotta, you be pure in your relationship. And yes, single people ain't shit. And I love y'all, but y'all ain't shit. Not for, <laughs> not for, not for a man in a relationship. Y'all, y'all ain't shit. Yeah, nothing good comes to you guys. Nothing at all. Nah, so you know what? You're right, Drake. Look at this. Old man wisdom to start the show. Um, let's get into combat sports, man. And we had to talk pro wrestling. A lot of people hitting us up. Uh, in the news cycle today, we got to jump right into it. Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman hired to run SmackDown and Raw, respectively, between the two by Vince McMahon, executive directors of each show, uh, which seems to mean... Uh, based on reports, that they'll be sitting in the big chair in Gorilla. And there's several layers to this. One, Triple H isn't one of them. So Triple H maybe running SmackDown, Paul Heyman running Raw, people would have had a huge pop, a different reaction. Getting Bischoff kind of out of nowhere, especially fresh off the podcast and everything else, and just spilling about his... Even he was very open. Even his transgressions in the past with WCW, uh, with TNA, all that stuff. It's it's an interesting play to see Bischoff being the guy to get this gig. Remember when I said that if Vince dies, Triple H won't be the man. Yeah. Does this does this kind of prove that for you? Yeah, it's, it's not looking great. <laughs> <laughs> just can we just leave it? It's not looking great. Like you give you give my guy one brand, maybe. They're just like, yo, you got your hands full with NXT. Or maybe, you know what, Vince is just like, I don't fucking like the kid. I, I don't know. Like, that's very possible, right? Where Vince is just like, yo, I don't like you. Yeah. They're family. So they may, yeah. you know, they may not like each other. Yeah, he threw him a bone. It's like, yo, I, I gave you this. Now shut up, kid. Yeah. It's possible. So this, this signing, like a lot of people got excited about it. It feels like it's 1997 all over again. Um... But as long as Vince still has his hands on this, I'm not convinced that a lot is going to change. We may get some better stories because here's here's that's all we want, though, right? Better stories, more time to wrestle. Well, if they're executive directing it and they give more time to actual in ring wrestling, then we're fine. But that's that's our hope. That's we all hope for that. We hope that the right people are getting pushed instead of seeing Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in yet another main event. See, that might not change, though. Because if Vince chooses the characters that get pushed, that may stay the same. But the allotted time and going through Hulu and getting 15 minutes of wrestling in a Hulu show, that'll change. Like, uh, And we've heard Kaz say it to us during our live shows and talking to him. When he says... Vince gives you the end game, and you have some leeway, and you find the fun in getting there. This right. is what that would probably be. Okay, you're letting Heyman do what Heyman does to get there. See, what, is Ricochet ever going to be main champion, or are we going to get a, a, you know, a Velveteen Dream? Or How are these guys booked? I, I don't know, but in the meantime, getting it, Cesaro might have more matches and dope matches. The tag team division, which Vince doesn't give a damn about, 
Now we might get real revival feud. Like, you know, Vince is probably going to still choose his guys at the top. Roman Reigns ain't leaving that top circle. So that makes me say this. Because if Vince, okay, by your theory, if, if it is where Vince says, yo, these are the guys that are going to be on top. Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans, um, I'm going to pick somebody else that sucks. Braun Strowman, uh, Mojo Rawley, okay? These are your guys that are going to get to the top. Get us there, right? If that's the task, that still means that the bullshit is going to sit at the top. That may not leave room for a lot of wrestling and, and a lot of the undercard. Like, the mid-card is the problem, and I've, I've said this for, like, the past couple of years. The mid-card is the, the bigger issue, right? And hopefully yeah. Vince takes his hands off the mid-card. But I just don't see it, right? Like, I hope it happens. I hope Vince understands, like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe these ratings suck because I'm doing a bad job calling the shots. Yeah. And maybe, maybe not so much Bischoff, but maybe <laughs> Paul Heyman can come in and say, listen, let's do this with this guy. Because Heyman, if, if anybody's listening to Pritchard's podcast, if anybody's talked to JR, I've talked to JR in the past about this in the interviews. When Heyman's name comes up, it is the biggest love-hate relationship of them all. And I think that Triple H is treading that line as well. Because I think Heyman pushes his guys. The guys that he likes, he pushes them to whether Vince loves them or begins to hate them. Yeah. So this becomes a double-edged sword. So you know, when this happens, it's like, well, how do, we, how do we control this narrative? Because if Heyman shows up and says, listen, Cesaro should be the top guy, and he pushes really hard, and Vince remembers, oh, I remember why I don't like you. And now it's just like, all right, I don't want to push the sorrow. We're going to be back to where we were. Yeah. So it's People like, might get fired quick. Bischoff especially. So it's, it's, it's really a matter of how much Vince McMahon is willing to listen and, you know, and how open-minded they are because they're getting ready to go into this Fox deal. They obviously have the AEW thing lingering now, which clearly they're paying attention to. Yeah. Vince has so, the XFL, which is going to take some of his like, – he invested his own money. And the guy's a control freak. It's going to take some of his attention. Yeah, but he can't leave what he's got alone because that's no, no. Fox. I, I don't think he's like, going to leave it alone, but I, I think this is this is as far as he can get with taking his thumb off of it. He he has two people who aren't Triple H, who aren't quote unquote trying to take his company. I would say, who still say, okay, you you still make the shots, but let us run the week to week. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm, it's a step in the right direction, but I'll believe it when I see it for a few months. I'm not even going to say, because like, we've done this all the time. Remember, remember when uh, Raw said the third hour of Raw is going to be crazy, anything can happen, yep. and then it should went back to being regular. They also old. said the fans are now the authority. Right, and that lasted, what, two weeks? At least, the wild card at, at most. Is, <laughs> like, this brand split, like, nothing, nothing lasts. So it's like, it's going to take a lot more than seeing Heyman and Bischoff for two weeks. I need to see this in action for three months before I can trust it. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I have faith in Paul Heyman. I'm not sure where I stand with Eric Bischoff. Cause I don't think anybody is. He ran TNA to the ground. He did. He did. I, I feel like he's fell into the same traps twice. And you got to be somewhat weird and dumb to fall into the same trap twice. Like, you can't let talent have too much power in, book, in booking, right? He, his biggest problem, he can never say no to the Hogan's to the Nashes, to these guys. And somehow those guys overtook TNA and ran TNA to the ground. He doesn't have that yet on the main roster. It's a lot of NXT guys. It's still a lot of P 
people who don't do business in that way. So it's a lot of guys who, who will do bullshit if you give them bullshit and they'll try to make the best of it, a la Moxley. And uh, even to the extent, you know, the, the guys who are there now, the EC3s, all this stuff, they're going to want you to give them better stuff, but they'll still do it. No one's going to really pressure you like those guys in the 90s did. It's a different locker room. I'm just wondering how much does Bischoff have left? He sat on the sidelines long enough that he had to eat all those mistakes. He's done the podcast. He's done all this reflection. He's been able to see how the brands grow. He's been critical of the WWE and how they've booked. And he knows what's wrong now. Can he capture some of the magic that, you know, in 90, what was that, 95 when he saw it, 96, when he saw what was wrong with WWE and smashed them because he knew what to change? Can he capture that again and avoid the mistakes? Well, I mean, it's even a step further than that. Can he work with the writers and work with Vince to bring all these things to fruition? So it's because Bischoff, you know, was pretty much a one-man show. Now, and I, I mean, there were other people there, of course, but he didn't have to really answer anybody. No. When he was, he was like Vince. Was, now you're not. Now you're yeah. just, same with Heyman. The same thing with Heyman. Yep. Now you're part of a system, which is Vince's system. How long did that, Heyman's SmackDown run last? Because that, that shit was going great, and then he bounced. Well, I mean, they bumped heads, man. Like, between that, the ECW rebirth, like, the, what was it, the SmackDown 5? The SmackDown 4? I forgot what it was called. But when that, that ha- I mean, it lasted until... SmackDown until 6, no? Smack, shit, I don't remember. It was a number. Yeah, yeah I believe it was SmackDown but, um, 6. But ultimately, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't play well with others. And Heyman and Stephanie and Vince... Bumped heads. And I've, I've heard inside stories about how bad they bumped heads. And some people have heard stories on podcasts, on Pritchard's podcast, talking about how bad they bumped heads. So these things, you don't really know how long they can last. Because shit is sweet until it's not. And with Vince, it's like, I don't think he's got time for it. But we'll see. We will see. I'm not terribly confident in this. I think it's, it's a great move to – I know some people like to keep him out of all elite. I don't think they're ever going to go to AEW, either of them. No. But – uh. I th- just think to shake things up, maybe bring in some bright ideas, some fresh ideas. Maybe that's what it'll take, but we'll yeah. see. I mean, there's Pritchard there still. Um, man, they I feel like Jeff Jarrett signed Abyss. So they have some other writers. Uh, it's just, like like I said, it, everyone, it seems like everyone there has an ego. Yeah. When sh- push comes to shove, can these people put the egos aside? Um, and it was SmackDown 6. It was Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Edge, Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero. Chavo was part of that. Yeah, well, right. I mean, they, yeah, yeah, they held like the the tag team titles. Yeah. Eddie for a uh, second, so it was it was by default. I personally, I would count Christian, but those are the years they kind of shit on Christian. He was more ECW. Um. All right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about talking about an ego. Shit, Seth Rollins. My man's tired of being humble, and I like it. I like it. I like asshole Seth Rollins going on Twitter saying, you know what? You want to watch the best wrestler in the world, you turn tune into WWE. Because he ain't right. But sometimes you got to speak shit into existence, Dre. Sometimes you got to fake it before you make it. And he believes in his talent. He's trying to, to be the leader. He's trying to be the man with the main title and elevate the roster 
And you're trying to play it like the 90s, right? When you were the main champion, you brought everyone up with you. You were that guy. So he's trying to say, this is my locker room. We're going to get this camaraderie. We're going to put on better matches. And the hell with all you guys who say AEW is better and New Japan is better. We can do that shit, too. We came from those same places. We can do it, too. And Will Ospreay had to catch it in, in the meantime. He's a casualty of Twitter war. Yeah. I mean, all right. So Seth Rollins goes out. He's tired of being humble. Yep. And he says all these things about the best wrestling in the world is at WWE. And he, he does Sports Illustrated podcast. He's done a couple of interviews where he explains his position. Nobody does what WWE does. True. Very true. Nobody else does 500 goddamn shows a year. True. My problem with this is it's not even a problem because – I think I know Seth Rollins wants to protect the company that pays him handsomely to do what he does and has put him on top. But I think Seth should know that we're not shitting on you or Cesaro or Ricochet or Samoa Joe or Daniel Bryan. We're shitting on the company that puts you guys in these shitty positions because it's hard to say that you're the best in the world when you when you got the cuffs on. And, and I, I, make the, I use this example because Seth Rollins is, argu- is arguably top five yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Right? But the argument is he hasn't had a real opportunity to put his talent on display because he's wrestling fucking Baron Corbin. Yep. Again. Because so when you give him AJ Styles, that was one hell of a match. You give right, him Corbin and, and, and it's right back down. It, it was and AJ Styles was a one-off, mm-hmm. and we never we never saw anything else about it again, and that was it. Meanwhile, Will Ospreay is killing it, New Japan, yep. having phenomenal matches. So I'm not mad at Seth Rollins defending the company, but when he said, you know, when he took a shot at Osprey and said, "Well, we have the, the, a guy who's better than you here," it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to say that when you're being held down, yeah. because. Ricochet isn't doing the Ricochet things that he was doing in New Japan and PWG. <laughs> Ricochet like, Cesaro matches were good. Granted, they didn't put them it, on Hulu. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, but they're not like they're, you can tell that they are they're a little bit restricted by what they can do. Like we know what Seth Rollins can do. Yeah, but we're not getting a chance to see it. So on a consistent level, we're not seeing the top guys do their best work. The primary example, and we're going to get to see this as it plays out, is right now with John Moxley. Mm-hmm. If John Moxley tears the house down multiple times, you can't be mad at Moxley. You can't be mad at AEW. You can't even be mad at the fans. You got to be mad at the place that's not allowing you to do your thing. And yeah. and that's kind of what's happening with Seth Rollins. So again, t- you know, have, like it's when I worked at BT, and I'll use this as an example. I've got friends that work at BT still that still work in production, that put on the BET Awards, that love, the, 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 they will never leave BET. They'll take great pride. They won't let you shit on it. I'm not mad at them for doing that because they're in the right position to do that. Me, on the other hand, I was John Moxley. I was CM Punk. I was unhappy there. So I needed to leave because it was just going to be a cancer that was going to spread. And BET, as anybody would know, wasn't using me to the best of my abilities. So I needed to go. I had to get the fuck out of there. They sold me the farm and told me I would be able to bring in 
the in- independent underground scene that I would be able to do these in-depth interviews. And when I got there, like most pro wrestlers, when they get to the WWE, they pull the rug out from under you and you're wrestling mid-card matches or main event, your EC3 on, on main event. Yeah. I didn't want to be EC3. Even though my paycheck was great, I wasn't happy. And at, at a certain point, I was just like, yo, if I didn't have a family, I would have quit. Like I would have been out the door quickly. But I tried <laughs> to endure it because I had my wife. So it's like you have to, depending on who you are and what position you are in the company is how you're going to project it out. But it's like I, I, like I understand what Rollins is doing because they're putting him in that position. They are telling him this company is on your back. Same with Kofi. I don't, I don't expect Kofi to say shitty things about the WWE right now. Not publicly. But when you start taking aim at other companies, which I guess you're kind of supposed to do. I know some people think it's a business initiative, but I don't think it is. Uh, but, you know, you want war and, and you, you know competition makes everything better. It's just people will see through the bullshit. People look at, at Rollins and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, mm-mm. best wrestling in the world. Nope. Now nah, I'm not seeing it. People who have eyes to see what's going on in other companies are like, this is not the best wrestling. You guys are not putting on the best matches. So hopefully they prove us wrong. But uh, like, I'm not mad at Seth. I get what he's doing. I just disagree. Yeah. And I, I feel like they can put on good matches because we've seen good matches. It's just not consistent. And yeah. some stuff just makes no damn sense. But I mean, I, I liked Ricochet Samoa Joe. Now Samoa Joe's into the title picture. Which makes absolutely no sense. Like that's, again, this is my problem with the WWE. You lose the U.S. title. Clean. Clean as a sheep. Yeah. And, you, and then you win no matches, and now you're in the, you're in the title <laughs> yeah. picture. I mean, the they could have used that? a couple of weeks to just at least elevate him a bit. But I mean, again, they don't have, they do have, but they don't exercise the use of jobbers. Like, it's okay yeah. for Mojo Raleigh and, I don't know, No Way Jose to get crushed by Samoa Joe every week. Instead of doing nothing. I'm sure they would prefer being on TV, getting their ass whipped by Joe, than not being on TV and doing nothing. No, it's just, it's, the WWE is in a weird spot because nothing makes sense. And because nothing makes sense, we get to see matches that don't make sense. When we see things like, we'll talk about stomping ground in a minute. But when you see things like stomping ground happens, which a bunch of fusions, you're just like, why is this even happening? What, like, all right, so Baron Corbin beat Kurt Angle, and I, I guess that's reason enough to put him in position for a title match. But a third, third one? A third one? Yeah, like, I don't know why it's still going. I thought Stomping Ground was going to end this, and we're going to get into our SummerSlam programs. Guess not. We're not. we're not. So now we're sitting here going, all right, we're going to get treated to a mixed tag match, extreme rules, between one of the best pro wrestlers in the industry today and Seth Rollins, one of the hottest females, and I'm not going to say she's best in the ring, because as we've seen, if she doesn't have the right dance partner, Becky's not very good. Mm-hmm. She's okay. She's not bad. Um, but he's tagging with her against Lacey Vince, who is green as grass, and Baron Corbin, who just clearly is not good. Can yeah. anybody look at this match and be like, yo, they're about to put on a show? No. No, they're not going to put on a show. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be shenanigans and bullshit, and somebody's going to say, I like it, but I'm like, dog, you're lying. Or you just like dumb shit. So, I don't know. <laughs> just like, a little bit of both. Uh, let's talk about stomping grounds then, since we were touching on that already. Started off well from you didn't like it as much as I did. Uh, I watched it in real time. I thought it was good. The ending kind of tailed off. I expected that, but for a pay per view, it was a solid B pay per view um, for me. Drew Gulak, Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, 
who looks like he's on his way out. Uh, his contract just ran up. It doesn't look like he's going to resign with 205 Live in the WWE. But they put on one hell of a triple threat match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Glad Drew Gulak won that. And uh, I thought it was a great way to start the pay-per-view. And it was followed up by a really dope Daniel Bryan promo. Looking for respect for the tag team division. Yeah. And again, this 205 Live match, it was great. It was it was really damn good. But when Akira Sazawa goes on Twitter and says, Done! That's not a good sign. Not a great that sign. That kind of tells you know, it, it doesn't. It, it's not even like I'd like to say. It was like I did my time. It's just like me with BT. I did my time. I'm out. I've seen what I needed to see here. I'm out. Yeah. So they had this fantastic match on a pre-show, which doesn't make any sense. I, I, the more that I think about this pre-show concept, why is it a pre-show? Why is it just a show? I don't know. To just give them time, I guess. I don't, I don't know why you to have what? to prep it. Yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> stop the talk it's and just like, add an extra hour. Like if you're gonna make me be here for an extra hour, just give me an extra hour of the show. Give me like extra if matches. Gonna, if if you're gonna do a pre-show, maybe you should put it on like USA as to convince people to buy the network. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just maybe doesn't make Fox any sense. Fox will do that now. Maybe. maybe. I mean that's that's just the idea. But anyway, but you put this on the so-called pre-show, which means for the people who, like myself, were at a fight and couldn't watch Stomping Ground until later, if, if I didn't watch the pre-show, I wouldn't have saw that match or the Daniel Bryan promo. Yeah. But I, fortunately, I I. I was like, yeah, I have a feeling that the 205 Live match was going to be good. So I watched the, 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 pre, the pre-show. But that match was great. And Daniel Bryan's promo was great. And then it was like, we knew this pay-per-view just didn't make any sense. So we just had to go through it. So the bar was on the floor. So anything better than yeah. what we expected was going to get a good grade. And to me, personally, I didn't think the pay-per-view was bad. I thought it was an average pay-per-view. And I expected terrible. So I thought it was average. It exceeded but, expectation. Um, yeah, like I mean, look, Biggie, Xavier Woods, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens had one hell of a tag team match. Yep. And I don't know if it even means anything, but the fact that they had it made me happy. Right? Becky and Lacey, <laughs> I didn't like that match. Like the, both the women's matches to me sucked, and I feel like the the entire women's division is nowhere near what it was three years ago. It's just, it's, I mean, the talent's still there. Their matchups are just shitty. Like, you take Asuka, who's one of the best workers, and you remove her from the equation and don't even have her wrestling for the tag titles. And then you're wasting her and then Kari Sane right there. So two of the best workers. Ember Moon is in a feud that's really just a SmackDown feud. So you're not doing anything with that. I... I don't know where you're putting all these workers. Like, Alexa Bliss isn't a great worker. Um, Lacey Evans isn't a great worker. She didn't work matches in NXT. She oh, wasn't an indie wrestler beforehand. She came in green. She sucks. She Period. was better in this match, but not great. Like, you shouldn't... I said this on Twitter. You shouldn't be going through your learning curve in a title program. That's why you should be in NXT. Like, this is the whole point of NXT, Right? Yeah. Shouldn't you be an NXT? And to she develop? was, but she wasn't good enough to crack the deep ass lineup of talented women in NXT. It's bizarre, and and there's people out there that was like, oh, the Bailey Alexa match was good. No, it wasn't. The shit wasn't good. Alexa's not good. Bailey, she has her her moments where she's just not good. That match isn't good. Like when you look, I'm not saying all the the best wrestlers need to be in main programs because that's just no. unrealistic. Alexa, I'll give a pass to because the character makes up. For the in ring, 
Yeah, but the feud makes no sense. No. Coming straight right. back from injury after damn near a year out and right into the title feud makes no sense. No, so there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. And when you're not invested, and, and, and big props is Washington crowd because they didn't fill up that arena, but they were loud as shit. And, and, and oh, they that, lost their mind for Daniel Bryan. Like that, those things matter. Yeah, because it's his backyard. But then yeah. the WWE's refused to let Daniel Bryan play the Bret Hart Canadian babyface. That's what Daniel Bryan should have been doing in that match. Instead, they they pushed him so hard to keep it heel. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. You're pushing against what the fans want. That was a good match, though. Um, it was. I thought but, Heavy Machinery. I thought Daniel Bryan made Heavy Machinery look really good. Listen, I'll say this. I think Heavy Machinery is actually a pretty good tag team. Yeah. I, I don't think they're a bad tag team. I just think it, when matches don't have a whole lot at stake or you kind of know the outcome, um, and I'm not saying that about this match, but when, when fans aren't really invested in the storyline, it's hard to get like a really good match unless you're a bunch of really gr- good workers. Because it like felt big, like a one-off. Exactly. Exactly. So it was hard for me to get into them. I was like, I watched it and I was like, this is better than I expected. And this is like the equivalent to a lot of Ring of Honor matches. Ring of Honor matches happen and you're like, why did that happen? Yep. But a lot of Ring of Honor matches are actually pretty good. So these matches were kind of like Ring of Honor matches where eh, it's better than I expected, but we I just, still don't know why it's happening. They're just like, we just got these people on the roster. We're just going to make them wrestle. Yeah. They, we need something to do before we get to this main event. Yep. No rhyme or reason. Just like this roster person, this roster person, go in there, wrestle for 10 minutes. So that was, and, and, and look, I mean, good unlike match. Though, you. Like you said, good match. Unlike you, I was I didn't really I didn't think it was bad, but the Ricochet Samoa Joe match, I was like, and it, it's not Ricochet, and y'all know I'm a big Samoa Joe mark, but I felt like he either he's off or he's slowed down. He couldn't really keep up with Ricochet, and Th- that's kind of weird because Ricochet is still still got the milk on his breath. Like Ricochet is is going over the top, super tough to stand out, and Joe kind of has his lane. But but see, listen, y'all. Know, again, I've been a Samoa Joe fan forever, and I see I saw what he did could do in the X division. I don't necessarily expect that. I saw what he did in, in like in his later years with TNA, where he tore down the house with Angle. But now you realize that's like ten years ago. So he's forty. Um, and he, he doesn't move like he did ten years ago. AJ Styles is different. I don't know what the fuck AJ Styles is drinking, but <laughs> the man is phenomenal at forty. Forty like forty two. But Joe felt like. Like, the big impact moves didn't feel as big impact as I wanted them to feel, yeah. right? So it was like, the match wasn't a bad match. It was a good match. I just wanted it to be better than it was. And unfortunately, I was like, all right, cool. Now we're going to get another match out of this. And we're not. Like, <laughs> it's over. Push him to the title program. Um, and which is lose, which is like, I don't get it. You fail up been- in the WWE. But but you know what? But that's another problem with storyline because it's like we're having pay-per-views for the sake of having pay-per-views. And when you have pay-per-views with no time to build, you're like, well, let's give Kofi somebody you can beat mm-hmm. who is a formidable opponent. And that's Samoa Joe, which I don't doubt will be a good match, but there's nothing behind it. No, because they, they just don't have that long-term plan yet, which hopefully this is another thing that Bischoff and uh, Paul Heyman correct is long-term booking. And having a plan and working backwards instead of yeah. working forward week by week and just hoping you fall into a plan, which works sometimes. Worked with Becky Lynch, worked with uh, Kofi Kingston. It's not a way to live. 
that you just hope you fall into shit. Um, the longest, what, what is this? One of the longest matches on the card, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Some people liked this match. I did not. I did not. I saw people who liked, I, I didn't get it. And it's not, you know what? It's not of the fault of Roman Reigns and Drew. Because I think they work well together. I like their chemistry. I think they're finding a groove in the ring together. Shane McMahon fucks this all up for me. He does, but I will. I'm not going to say I blame, blame Drew or Roman. Whoever the booking agent for this match was, so, sooner or later, you got two guys who are like boss guys, right? Like they're, they're yeah. hoss wrestlers. Roman and Drew should be having slobber knockers. Yep. Like there should be no fucking rest holds. And it was this match was full of rest holds. And I'm like, I don't. And then Roman working from under is weird to me, because. <laughs> but Drew is supposed to be that dominant too, so it's. But know. but see, it should be a lot. It should be like okay, Roman Reigns should develop an Ishii type character, a guy who will take punishment and give that shit back, and find a way to get better babyface fire, because right now he just kind of works from under and like long rest holds and shit. Yeah. Like he should, he's like he should take a beating and come back from it, not be you know put in Ishii a damn chip. Ishii kind of has the Japanese version of old school hulking up though. Well, he I'm, has the, the Hulk Hogan, like, you know what? You're going to whoop my ass for, like, 12 minutes. I'm going to sell everything. This shit's going to be stiff. You can hit me as hard as you want. And then, yeah, then I'm hulking up, and I'm just fucking you up for a sec. But see, the difference is Hogan only hulks up at the end of the match. Like, Ishii oh, is yeah. through the entire match. Yeah, you, don't, you don't know when it's coming. Yeah. Like, like Roman Reigns and, and Drew McIntyre should be beating each other up. It shouldn't be necessarily be, like, uh, five minute chin lock. Yeah, Our, technical. We're know, not here for the technical genius. I'm not match. here for that shit. Like <laughs> it's like we we see what Drew can do, and like we see that this man can go, and we know Roman has that gear in him too. Oh, Roman can go. Reason. That that dive, the athleticism. Roman can't even knock Roman in ring. It was always kind of his promo skills that fucked him up. Yeah, so you have to take the leash off of those two and let them beat the crap out of each other. But yeah, no. Now we got Shane McMahon in this thing. Yeah, and that botches, and that now we got the Undertaker. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what the hell this is about. If this, I'll say it again, and you don't believe me. If this doesn't end in Bray Wyatt completely fucking destroying The Undertaker as The Fiend and becoming like a real face of horror at SummerSlam, I don't know what we're doing. Then I don't know what we're doing here because I don't think that's what's going to happen. Bray's cryptic. Oh, I'm coming to finish everything that was left years ago. Like, that has to be Taker. Yeah. I mean, Taker, Taker has to go through with this feud. Him and Roman have to win, Taker beat Shane, and then the lights have to go out, and The Fiend has to show up and just crush Taker. I mean, I love your fantasy booking, but no. I I feel like it makes sense. I feel like it's not going to. My NXT fantasy booking is doing quite well with this this women's match. We'll see. (laughs) I I don't think it's bad. Bray, Bray has to show up and wreck someone. Why not Taker? Dude, listen, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't trust the WWE. That's fair. That's what I'm saying. That's I fair. just don't trust them. I haven't trusted them with Bray for how many years now? I mean, they didn't let Bray go over on since Cena. Since the original they didn't Taker? Let Bray... Oh, yeah, Cena. That was even before that. Yeah, they didn't let him go over on Cena. They didn't let him go over on Taker for reasons that will never make any sense. Did he me. go over on Daniel Bryan? I mean, Daniel Bryan had a feud. Yeah, but that wasn't at WrestleMania. Like, the no, biggest it wasn't even at Mania. That's what I'm saying. The biggest spots that Bray Wyatt has had, he hasn't gone over. I think, has he lost every WrestleMania match? Yes, sir. 
So I got beat up by the rock that one year. Yeah, like I don't trust them with Bray Wyatt. I don't know what Bray Wyatt did. I just I don't trust him. The character got too good. And and (sighs) when your character reaches a certain level in Vince's eyes, you're you're just I don't know. You don't have to win. I hear a lot of people saying that, and I honestly believe that's how he thinks now. Where he's like, yo, this character's so good you don't have to win. I don't know how Finn Balor wasn't stuck in that. No, nah, like it's bullshit. Like, Damn that. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. Like the, the the way to make stars is not through fifty fifty booking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. You have to squash somebody. You have to you have to win out a bunch of feuds. Like Kofi Kingston hasn't lost a singles match in like a year, right? So now it becomes believable. <laughs> yeah. Like when when Kofi's in a match, like now it's like if 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 he's going to lose, there's more passion behind it. But it made him a believable champion because he doesn't lose. Like he's on a hot streak. So for Bray, like 50-50 booking don't work. Like the only case that that ever worked was The Rock. The Rock lost a lot. But he always lost putting somebody else over because he was in the top spot. Yeah. Bray Wyatt losing and not being in the top spot doesn't help anybody. John Cena should have been the one to put Bray Wyatt over. Undertaker should have been the one to put Bray Wyatt over. And then in turn, Bray Wyatt can put somebody else over. But you losing and being in the mid-card is stupid. Even losing to Randy Orton was dumb. That was horrible. Then, to be fair, Luke Harper should have went over on both of them. True, but that's not what happened. No, because <laughs> they can't. They can't project into the future. And again, hopefully, this is what changes. Um, let's see. Let's wrap up this WWE stomping ground. So we have what the main event left. Oh no, Kofi Ziggler cage match, which hated to me was hated. slow, but I liked the ending. I hated this match. God, I hated this match. I hate the camera angle. That's really what pissed me off. Why are we looking through the cage the whole time? Like I hated this match, and again, it wasn't because of Kofi. It wasn't. I don't even know if it was like whoever booked this to be boring as shit for the first twenty minutes. Like, there's a complete difference between Ziggler and Kofi's cage match. Where the only time they really used the cage was the finish versus Eeyore Sarai and Shayna Baszler's cage match, which was like a master class in cage matches. Yeah. That shit was great. Like, like the cage felt necessary. Mm-hmm. The cage felt like, first of all, I like when the cage has a reason to be there. Right? Not, not a bunch of pins <laughs> and false finishes and. No, not, not even that. Near not even submissions. That. I hated that shit that killed me in this match. But, but not even that, which is, that is probably the problem. But a cage for Eel Shirai, Shayna Baszler, a cage needed to be there to supposedly keep the horsewomen out. Oh, yeah, That's what yeah. cage matches are built for. Why was Kofi versus Dolph Ziggler in a cage? I don't know. That's a good question. Exactly. It's and not to keep the saw. New Day out. Like, yeah, why exactly. was it a cage match? So, so if the cage is supposed to have meaning, like Hell in the Cell match is supposed to have meaning, ladder match is supposed to have meaning. When you have matches with no meaning, and then the match happens, and you're watching it, and you're going, why, why is this happening? Why am I watching a bunch of rest holds and pins and near fall and leg work in a cage match? <laughs> ton of leg work. Woo! The whole damn thing was leg work. Yeah, that was, that was ugly. And then Rollins Corbin, which was doomed from the start, because Lacey Evans came back out and was the guest referee. And she was terrible. She's not good, Dre. Dog, she was a terrible guest referee. Like, all she did was pace and then turn and look and then, like, wipe her brow. Like, yo, it's like, yo, she's so whack. That's really all she I got. Don't... That's her move. 
Like she should have <laughs> like she should still be in NXT developing. Her like in Aaliyah, but they need to be working together. Vince sees blonde and gets a hard on and pushes him. Immediately. Right, like, like she the women's right seems like a cool little finish and works with the character, but duh, she's just she's no good. She's just not <laughs> she's, ready. She's she's not, she's not bad. Like, I, I, I like the gimmick. I like the gimmick. She has a couple moves. She has like a fisherman suplex, which is cool. She got the Bronco Buster in the corner. She got a couple moves. She's just not ready. She doesn't know how to call a match. Becky's not the greatest at calling a match. That's hence why they had to throw Charlotte into shit all the time. Like it's it's not Becky's forte. So like neither of them were calling a great match in the ring. Whoever the Booker was didn't really keep it from being clunky. And then same thing happened in main event. She slowed it down. Not that Corbin's really fast anyway. Match sucked. That match sucked. And and, uh, you know, pick your battles. Like if I write a real if I if I write an article that I know got edited way down and I know was wasn't delivering the message that I wanted and I know that was not um it was not a good reflection of my work, that's not the time for me to say I'm the best writer in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like with Seth, it was like this was not the time no. for you to say you're the best wrestler. Like we're the best wrestlers in the world, yeah. you put on this mediocre ass paper. He had the worst he probably had the worst match of the night. And again, not his fault. We know what he can do. It's just yeah. he's being restricted. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, other wrestling this weekend. Coming up, AEW Fighter Fest is this weekend for free on Breacher Report Live. Just found that out today, so I'll be watching. Uh, we have Cody versus Darby Allin, which should be cool. I think Darby Allin <clears throat> will lose because wins and losses matter, but I think Darby Allin's going to look great and really showcase that character. You're probably right, but... Uh, I think, I mean, it's good for Darby to get out there and put it like that. Yeah, six-man tag match, uh, which feels real New Japan-ish. But Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, the Elite versus Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. Yo, they're about to tear that shit up. You think? Laredo, yeah. I mean, it's undoubtable. They're going to tear that shit up. I don't know how long this match lasts. I think it's just something for them to do. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it goes... 12 minutes. But we'll nah, see. Gonna, come on, man. You putting Kenny Omega in a match, in a match you think it's going to go 12 minutes? This shit's like second on the card, yes. I, I, I think this is just something to give the fans that, you know, their little money's worth, but I don't think it's going to no. be like all out type shit. Because the Bucks and the Lucha Bros still have a feud. And and Laredo Kid is the, uh, what is he, the Cruiserweight ch- champion in AAA? So you got him and Kenny Omega, they're, they're going to tear this house down. That That match, it's... Yeah, and I don't think I think it'll be longer than twelve minutes. Then we have uh, Kylie Ray versus Leva Bates, uh, which is Blue Pants. So get to see Blue Pants debut. <clears throat> um, Best friends versus SoCal Uncensored versus Private Party. Like Private I, Party is good. Oh, Private Party! I'm so mad I don't get to see Private Party versus uh, my boys from NXT. <laughs> like tell me that wouldn't be the dopest fucking build man uh just montez ford alone but these kids got swag they they can go they put on good matches so you know what i'm i'm interested in this and winner advanced to all out for opportunity first round bye in the tag team championship tournament 
Yeah, I feel like it's a, a good time for SoCal and Censor to put somebody over. And uh, this might be the time. I like, I don't know. I don't know if, if they're going to go with a new talent like Private Party, but maybe they do. Yeah. I'm going uh, to I wouldn't be surprised to see the best friends win, though. Um, just because it's only for a first-round bye. It right. seems like they have seven tag teams. So the first-round bye is huge because then you have three other matches. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, I like the position that they're in. Um, should be a good match. Then, let's see, we have a three-way women's match. Nyla Rose, Rio, and Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Rio wins this. Rio, uh, she, she had a good showing out at the Vegas show. So Yeah, she did. Um, Christopher Daniels versus Seema. Why is Christopher Daniels in this match? Oh, uh, only because Frankie and Scorpio are tagging. Yeah, and Daniels and Seema go way back, so the chemistry in this match should be really good. Okay, dope. Well, I look forward to that now. Um, Adam Page versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus MJF. This shit should, Page has to win. Uh, wins yeah, and losses matter, so Page has to win. But man, it's going to be fun. MJF is going to steal that one. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun because they're kind of continuing the little angle that they had at Double or Nothing. Um, which I saw, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, MJF, I mean, ton, he's one of those guys, a ton of charisma, may not be the best worker out there, but he's going to be able to keep fans engaged with somebody that everybody wants to hate. Yep. Heat magnet. Um, yeah. That we have Moxley versus Janela, non sanctioned match, main event. Dude. I don't know Dude. if Moxley's ever going to wrestle a non, you know, a regular match. Everything might be no DQ going here on forward. But. No, Janela, these two might kill each other. Damn sure Janela's going to try to kill himself. Yeah. This match, if... Judge, first of all, the promo that AEW put up on their, their uh, Twitter is incredible. With, with uh, Moxley watching the screens and Janela talk, talking about he'll die in the ring. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting by the casket. It's incredible. And then they cut to old CZW footage of, of Moxley just bleeding, getting staples put in his head. They're about to tear the house down. And Moxley should go over. He's getting ready to go into G1, so I fully expect him to go in strong. But there also is, makes me wonder if we'll get some interference from Kenny Omega or if, or if AEW is even going to go that route. Maybe Kenny shows up after the match because they're clearly going in that direction as well with Moxley and, and Kenny Omega. So I don't know, but I, like, I fully expect I fully, this is what I expect to happen. I expect this match to be great and extraordinarily violent. And I expect a segment of diehard, hardcore WWE fans to shit all over it. Really? I mean, I guess the hardcore fans. The ones that don't like, Mo- that don't like Moxley now that he's gone. They, like, there's, there's a segment of fans on social media who are like, oh, he never was that good, blah, blah, blah. They're going to shit on this match no matter what. But this it's is too forte. Like, this, no shit. This but, is what they wanted him to do as Ambrose. No, they did. Like uh, the hardcore WWE fan probably didn't really know who Moxley is to begin with, right? True. They heard about him because yeah. let's be honest, a lot of people didn't see Moxley in CW. I only saw stuff when he came to the WWE. Yeah, when he right. debuted as part of the Shield, that's when I went back and I was like, "Oh shit!" Mm-hmm. That's when I. But most people didn't. So I think there's going to be a segment of fans that are going to call this thing too violent, unnecessary. Look for those words on social media. Too violent, too much, unnecessary. They didn't have to do that. Yes, they did, because that's what they wanted to do. And I'm here for it all. 
yeah. Again, him and Janela, it's a perfect spot for them. Sooner or later, though, him versus Kenny's gonna have to have some technical aspects. Yeah. Like, it's gonna have to be a real match. But we'll see how that goes when we cross that bridge in Chicago. Um, real quick, let's go through. We're just gonna speed through this break. The hell with the break. Because we spent our 15 minutes already. Um, boxing. We had Jamel Charlo, easy KO last week. And now Jamar, Jamal Charlo trying to do the same with Brandon Adams this week. Good back-to-back yeah. showcases. Uh, the Charlo fight last week seemed like ho-hum. We expected that to happen. Yeah, same with this fight. Nobody really expects Brandon Adams to give Jamal too much trouble. Uh, Jamel was supposed to be in there with Tony Harrison. He went in there and cremated uh, there was Coda, Jorge Coda. Uh, everybody kind of expected that to happen. I don't know what to really take away from that. Um, whatever. Uh, but also, Demetrius Andres fighting against Lecky this weekend um, on the zone. Andres trying to put himself in position for a Canelo fight. And this is not due to any inside source. I'm just saying what I'm thinking right now. Canelo really doesn't want to pay Triple G. So I think there is a possibility that Canelo does thinks about trying to find a way around Triple G as a negotiating point to either get him to come down or fight in Vegas, whatever the hell it is, that he'll try to either fight Caleb Smith or um, uh, Callum Smith or Demetrius Andre. So people should watch this Andre fight this weekend. What do you give to the rumors out there that he wants to go all the way up to 175 for a Kovalev fight? Who? That's what came out today. For Ooh. Triple G. No. Where? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll find you who tweeted it. But, oh, uh, God. Or, excuse me, not Triple G for uh, Canelo. Um, let's see. But Canelo that, go up, Doug, why would Canelo go up to Chris Mannix. Significant momentum for Canelo Alvarez to move up to 175 pounds to face lightweight title holder Crusher Kovalev in September. Multiple sources familiar with the situation tell SI now. Okay. Uh, Um, Mike Coppinger. Sources tell The Athletic that Golden Boy promotion and Canelo are rebuffing attempts to make a trilogy fight with Triple G in September. Instead, they want Canelo to fight either Callum Smith or Sergey Kovalev on September 14th. All right. Mannix works for the zone in commentary, but he's not necessarily privy to everything that's going, that's going on. So that's the disclaimer. Yeah. Um, I will say this without saying too much. Golden Boy is going to play with every option out there to piss Triple G off. That's – I know this. Canelo, like I just said it a minute ago. Canelo doesn't want to see Triple G get paid. He really doesn't. And more importantly – not to kind of crap on my own company, but when you when you pay Canelo his money up front and you're like, hey, you're getting paid this much no matter who you fight, you don't have to fight Triple G. Why? Because Triple G got signed after Canelo. Yeah. Triple G signed to the zone to fight Canelo. Canelo didn't sign to the zone to fight Triple G. So it puts him in a real tough spot. Because Canelo just fought Daniel Jacobs, who a lot of people were like, you're going to fight him that quick in, your, sec- in what, your second fight on the zone? And you're going to turn right around and fight Triple G in your next fight? So even though the money's there, and if you don't want to see somebody else get paid, they uh, Golden Boy might drag this shit out. And maybe the, Kov- the Kovalev thing just sounds 
the only reason why it sounds ridiculous to me is because I don't know what's there to really like. I get it. You want to win another world title in another weight class, but 175 pounds is kind of fucking big. And Kovalev can kind of, kind of, and then you got to come back down. Right. So that there's there's my pause with that. I just feel like it's more of a negotiation tactic than it is a real thing. I could be wrong. Golden Boy might really want to play with this, but I really feel like it's playing with fire going to 175. Yeah. I know Canelo really wants Andre's belt. I know this. He wants that 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 WBO title. So, but we'll see what happens. It's it's a long way up, and Kovalev isn't what Kovalev was three years ago. But I wouldn't sleep on him. No, I wouldn't either. It's just it's it's a weird fight. Like, but you know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's the news of the day for her boxing. Um, MMA, Artem B. Pauly. MMA <laughs> reigns supreme, Dre. It reigns supreme. Talk that talk, Artem. Man, okay. the entire crew was talking shit from trainers to every everyone besides Conor McGregor was talking that talk. You know Conor's just laughing his ass off behind the scenes. Because Paulie's talking all this shit. He could beat McGregor. McGregor never... Oh, he slipped. McGregor. He was giving McGregor the business in boxing, all this stuff. And the man couldn't beat Artem in a bare-knuckle fight. Two things. One, Paulie won that fight. Oh, <laughs> okay. He got triple Like, that's one. All right. Paulie won that fight. He won the first two rounds easy. Um, and I feel like he won at least one of the last three. But I get why Artem won. Because there's no real judging criteria in bare-knuckle fighting. It's just the judges just sit around and just look at shit. There's nobody that was just like, oh, if you score, like, there's no, there's no real way to score this. So Artem being aggressive won him those rounds, even though he didn't really, he didn't land a ton of punches. It's not like what Polly said. I got hit by one clean shot. No, you have three cuts on your face. Unless this man has a magic bullet in his fist, you got hit at least three times. But I don't think Artem won that fight. But Polly did himself no favors doing this shit. Like Polly's hands are made of glass to begin with. That's that's a problem. But jabbing and dipping and you know and not trying to knock somebody out, like I don't know what Paulie's strategy was. I mean, that's how Paulie fights in boxing, though. But that's and therein lies my problem. You're in bare knuckle fighting. And the reason why he took this fight is because he's like, I don't hit hard with like 10 to 12 ounce gloves on. Now I have no gloves on and I'll fuck you up. Right? That didn't happen. He says he broke his hand in the second round, but come on, man. You're fighting a bare knuckle fighting. you if your hands are fragile with pillows on your hands your hands are gonna break as soon as you like touch anything in a bare knuckle fight as a 40 year old so i don't like mma sure shouldn't get too excited like somebody tweeted me it was like see mma is on par with boxing because connor took four rounds from floyd he didn't take shit he took an ass whoop is what he took big difference like paulie's like past his prime way past his prime and bare knuckle artem looked terrible in that fight anybody thought artem looked good is ridiculous it was, dude. I it's said it. It's supposed to look it's, bad against a former boxing champion. No, but I'm saying like Artem striking is terrible in general. Like his his, his stand up, like he didn't throw a jab the entire fight. So if he was in there with a decent boxer, he would have lost. Like a decent of age boxer. I just I don't know what Paulie was doing. I don't like him taking bare knuckle was always weird to me. But if he wasn't going in for the kill, I I don't know why he was there trying to win a damn five round decision. That was ridiculous. Yeah, you can't 
just leave it up to the refs. That makes no damn sense. Uh, especially the promotion, you're fighting a one-off. The other guy actually fights there. Yeah, it was so. And then Jason Knight goes in there and talks trash about them both. <laughs> Did Jason Knight just lose to? He lost to, to all of them. Yeah, like come on, fam. Yeah, like sit down. Um, another crazy Bellator. What the hell is wrong with Bellator? They can't catch Every- a break. So Everything. now Musasi looked great in his last fight. Uh, pro- to, for my money, he was their best champion at this moment. Uh, maybe Pitbull's better. Yeah, Pitbull's probably better. And just, maybe Bader, too. Uh, I would have put Musasi over Bader heading into this fight um, in terms of ranking their champions. And Musasi kind of just laid an egg in a fight that 70% of fans couldn't even see. Because once that well, shit was like- done, it's done. Yeah, that was that was the problem. The the fact is that Gegard can go home saying, "Well, nobody saw the shit because nobody <laughs> saw it." Did it really happen? Because, like I listen, I work for the zone, and I don't know where to watch this fight. I think it was in the Bellator app. It was it was so bad. It was it was so it was such a bad positioning of this card. Like I don't know what Bellator was doing, but going like Lovato Jr. Anybody who's seen that kid fight knew he had a hell of a chance to beat Gegard. Gegard said it when he was getting ready to fight Rory. When I talked to Gegard, he was like, you know, Rafael Lovato Jr. is a much tougher test than Rory McDonald. And he proved it because Lovato's an excellent grappler. And that's how he beat him. Yeah, wrestled grappler. the hell out of him. Yeah, so the, the, the unfortunate thing is Gegard lost. Nobody saw the new champion fight. So how do you build a guy that nobody saw? That's, yeah, I mean, you got to run it back. But but why? It wasn't exciting. That's what I'm saying. Like this is the epitome of the if the tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does it make a sound? This is the epitome of that. That's what yeah. this fight was. That's exactly what it was. It Except they had a title on. It was bad enough. It was on the heels of their bigger pay per view the week before. Then what? This was in the UK or something. This was in London. It was just a, it was a weird mix of things. Nothing was it's good. Just, no, it's all bad. All, all bad. Made yeah, no sense. No, no sense at all. Um, and then UFC Minnesota's this weekend main event. Oh, we didn't. You didn't talk about zombie murdering uh, Marcano. Oh shit! I forgot about that. It happened so quick. It was a blink of an <laughs> eye. Uh, the Korean zombie's back, and and let's be real, he got caught with like the slickest elbow in MMA history, but he was whooping ass in that fight too. Yeah. He was really kicking uh, Yair's ass. So Korean Zombie is still right up there. He is. Very much so. And a dominant performance like this where he went in and he was like, no, fuck this. I'm finishing it. With And I, I think Bisping did a great job selling how great this combination was from a boxing standpoint. Because it was the perfect slip of a punch, right hand, boom, lights out. And Korean Zombie... I didn't know he was this young still. Yeah. You know, he did like the three-year mandatory, like over uh, Korean military joint, came back, and he's still super young. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't know where you put him next. That's the biggest question. Where do you put him next? I don't know. He's going to be close to the title shot, though. But he did lose. So what are you he telling Yair? 
Oh no, they they they're gonna run that back at some point. I feel like you almost have to. The fight it was, was so amazing fluky. to begin with. It was like, I mean, the fight was great. It was already on the verge of fight of the year candidate. But you can't run and it back can... as a three rounder. They got to go another five. Oh, of course, it headlines like a. It has the best way to do this is it headlines an ESPN card. Okay, and just show tons of highlights of their first one. Yeah, and gear up these fans to see another war. It might not be another war, but get them to tune in. Get it. This is how. This is what they should do that Bellator is not doing. Make sure the guys that you want to push are seen. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I got to. Oh. Goddamn Bellator. <laughs> Listen, man. I, they tried. They tried so hard. It looked like they had the right recipe, and it went bad, very, very fast. And I still don't know how. Like, uh, what, two years ago we were talking, like, man, can they really threaten the UFC? Yeah, they ain't threatening shit. Not a damn thing. And then, yeah, again, Korean Zombie jumped six spots in the UFC rankings this week. So Ortega, Aldo, Edgar, Zabit, Korean Zombie. So he's not far. No. That's crazy. Yeah, man, he deserves it, though. Um, Like I was saying before, UFC... Minnesota is this weekend, and interesting matchup because we have Dos Santos in it. And to me, it's hard to call him the the hottest heavyweight right now, but he's kind of on like this this nice little second streak, this nice little breath of fresh air. And then Francis is coming off of just dismantling Kane, so this is going to be one hell of a main event. No takedowns. Somebody's got knocked out. No, and somebody, uh, we did an interview with Nganu, um, Stephen Muehlhausen over at Sporting News. I mean, not Nganu, with Junior. And uh, Junior said that a lot of people were just saying, telling him to take him down because you have great Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you probably could just submit him. And he's like, I can't do that because that's not my DNA. I'm going to bang with him. So there you have it. Oh, like, Lord. <laughs> Is it weird that just doesn't sound good? It uh, sounds scary because it's, it's really, dude, with Nganu, it's really one punch can end everything. And you gotta take him deep. You gotta take him like you, the best thing JDS can do is jab him to death for three rounds and then beat his ass after. You gotta yeah. take him to deep waters and, and hope to not get caught before that. Um, we have a flyweight number one contenders fight for a guy who's injured <laughs> until 2020, and by the way, probably going to defend the bantamweight belt. So why isn't this an interim title? Because there's like six people in the division. Just, dude, the moment that Henry Cejudo loses, they're going to shutter the division. It only lose. exists until he wins. Huh? Oh, what? No, no, no. he won. He won. Yeah, I'm bugging. Yeah. I'm telling you, the when Cejudo loses, they may send him back to defend the title, which I don't know if he's going to do that. But they're, they're going to shut down this division. It only exists so he can say he could be a two-division champion. That's so crazy. This dude, there's literally, what, there's six people in the division outside of Henry Sudo. Six. So a number one contender fight could be with anybody. Yeah. I could go in there and have a number one contender fight. <laughs> I just got to make weight. Yeah, I was about to say, you skinny now, but I don't know if you fly weight skinny. I that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I'd take it better Vitez, though, for what it's worth. Um, and, I'll, too, and I'll take but, Francis in the main event. And here's the fascinating thing. Benavidez wins, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if Benavidez was like Conor McGregor or somebody who talks shit, Benavidez was like, dog, I beat him. 
I deserve that fight. Yep. Like, but he won't. Like he'll he'll be kind of nice about it, but he shouldn't be. He's the I'd last be guy to beat him, right? Yeah. He beat I'd, him after no, DJ. I'd be the biggest pain in the ass if I won that fight. I would follow Cejudo everywhere he went. I'd visit him at the hospital if he's there. I'd, anywhere he's at, if he's doing a video with the Bella Twins, I'm showing up with <laughs> Megan Levy because Megan's his girlfriend, his wife, shit. I'd show up there. I'm chasing Cejudo everywhere because I beat him. He ain't defending that title. Give it to me. Yeah. So you got to go. do something. Uh, Damian Maya is the only other like real big name on the card. Rocco Martin. Uh, Damian submits him. I still think Damian got a little bit in him. Yeah, I mean, if the fight goes to the mat, you're going to get submitted. Unless yeah. you're like some excellent wrestler who can neutralize the submissions. Yeah, I, no, I think, yeah, Damien's just going to backpack. So, uh, no, nah, man, that's that's pretty much. We did a quick rundown of the rest of combat sports. That's the show for this week. Uh, we want to thank all you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me, at Cal Dansby. Him, at Andres Hale. Support us on Patreon, at The Corner Podcast. All the Corner Podcast merch went out this week, so everyone who's on Patreon sent me their address and everything. You guys should be getting all of your shirts this week, which is cool. Gave a little couple extra surprises for you guys in there, so make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you guys follow us to let us know that you got it. Rock the shirts, rock the merch. We want to see those pictures. Thank you guys so much for supporting, and that's about it, Dre, man. It's been a long week. We're in for another long one. We're preparing for UFC 2, what are we at, 38? Coming up next week, 39. Shit, with John Jones. So we got to, the John Jones circus continues, fingers crossed that he passes every test this week. And we get a clean mini event fight. So we'll talk to you guys next week before that fight. Another, another big week of combat sports. Thank you guys. For now, though, we're out. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.